Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the College Football Inquirer with Dan Wetzel. Come at me. I get it. It's it's a very unpopular position. I understand. I get grilled on it every time. I will take unpopular positions. I get why everyone in college athletics hates me. That doesn't matter. I'm right. You're wrong. I'm right. SI's Russ Dellinger. I think it's like $8 billion, I know, to, to fund something like that. So this would be a catalyst, you would think, for Congress, yeah, to to move on something if they're going to lose the Olympic college Olympic model. And SI's Pat Forty. Oh, say A through Z, that's an S. Sailing is pretty far down the alphabet, but you just, that's the first one you came to. Here's Pat, Russ, and Dan. Hi, welcome to the pod. We were talking some last week, or last episode, earlier this week, about the looming possibility that a court or somebody determines that college athletes are employees of their university. And it is the biggest change agent, positive, negative, or not, however you want to feel about it, that is kind of coming down the tracks. And obviously, people running college athletics can do more than one thing at a time. But so much of the focus is on things that at least I do not believe have significant impact or exponentially less significant impact on how things are going, like people transferring from schools, when this is the thing that people either needed to prepare to block or encourage or at least deal with. And although I mentioned the courts, and particularly the Supreme Court, which has taken a very anti-amateurism viewpoint going go in the past, there's also state legislatures. If you recall, the reason NILs became a thing was because the state of California passed it in 2019 bipartisan support in California and then signed in by by Gavin Newsom. And that led other states of all different political ilks and control to follow suit and allow uh, the, the, the original bill made it illegal for NCAA universities to prohibit third parties from paying college athletes for the use of their NIL endorsements, sponsorships or other appoint, uh, appearances. And boom, here we go. So there's also a bill in California that last year failed 
State Bill 1401. It was named the College Athlete Race and Gender Equity Act, which is, I'm not really sure if that's quite what this is about, but that would require schools in California to share 50% of annual revenues in football and men's and women's basketball with the athletes. This would be the monster of all change agents because you're talking millions and millions of dollars and presumably would give those schools a competitive advantage over all the other schools in the country. So I guess the question is, does that kind of movement continue? It did not work in the past, but could we get anywhere in the future, either in California or somewhere else with that? And that would truly take amateurism and essentially end it, seemed seemed to me. Or maybe there's a way to work through it or work around it. I don't know. But it would be that kind of a maneuver. So long intro into this. Is this what people should be worried about? What do you think, Ross? Well, I, I think if you're if you are against amateurism collapsing, you should probably worry. Uh, as you mentioned, you know, it was a state legislature, not the not necessarily the courts or the Supreme Court had something to do with the the whole NIL stuff. But uh, it started in the state state legislature. It started in the state assembly of California, where this next bill is going to start. Uh, as you mentioned last year, this revenue sharing bill failed in the State Assembly of California. It'll be reintroduced soon, probably in the coming days. It will be reintroduced, and there is optimism that this year it will not fail in that it will pass and that the state of California will require its colleges and universities to share revenue with its athletes in sports that generate twice as much revenue as it spends on scholarships, which end up being basically football, men's basketball, and in some cases, women's basketball. And it'll be put, I think the particulars of the bill will come out soon, but it'll be put, you know, the, the money will be put into like a, 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 a trust and the athletes will get it upon graduation. However, a portion of the money will be distributed to them every year. But the, I think the bulk of it will be in some kind of trust. So it's an interesting model. You know, we saw California pass the NIL stuff. We saw what happened with that. It took off. So this is the next evolution of that. It's fascinating to me. Uh, the, the next evolution coming closer to completely eradicating the old system, uh, if this does come to pass. And it's interesting, too, like with the trust aspect of it. Remember Josh Rosen, the old UCLA quarterback? When he was leaving yep. college, he got behind and put his name behind this very same sort of idea uh, that was being promoted by some people. I liked it. I thought there was a lot that uh, recommended to it where the, the athletes were going to get paid, but they also weren't all going to get it up front. They were, it was going to be backloaded, a lot of it contingent on graduation, that sort of thing. So, you know, that was one of those deals that kind of, I think, kept both sides, if there are such a thing, relatively happy. But here's the thing, like, we have seen this, we saw with the Supreme Court, we've seen with other court decisions, we've seen with legislatures, like, they keep pushing back and saying, look, we don't like your model, it's not working, and the NCAA or the, you know, the conferences, or who the college leaders are like, well, if we could just kind of thread this needle here, we can still make it work, you know, we can have... 
players getting paid, but it can't be pay for play up front. We, uh, we can pay them through collectives, but the schools can't be involved with the collectives. It's like the half measures are not working. They're not sustainable, or they haven't at least been sustainable via what are, what are the rules that are set up. So I, I feel like we're just cra- gradually getting to the point where we're going to reach flat out either revenue sharing, employee status, whatever the case is going to be. I just don't see where you where you kind of keep drawing this line in between that's going to work. Yeah, agree. So a couple points on the last bill on this. It did not determine that the athletes were employees. <laughs> okay. And same with this paid. one. It's going to be reintroduced, yeah. by the way. Yeah, this one will say, just as far as the bill's language, it'll say the athletes aren't employees. Yet they're going to get paid by directly by the schools. So, okay. Yeah, you're not an employee, <laughs> but you're being paid yeah. to work. Figure that okay. out. Okay, I don't know. I don't, yeah, I don't know how that works or how that withstands a court challenge if there's like workman's comp or something like that. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's, again, this is like wild, wild stuff. The last bill had a graduation rate situation point on it. So you could make a maximum of 25 grand a year as a employee slash non-employee. But if you graduate within six years, you then can get the additional revenue. Yeah. Or it goes back to the athletic budget. So the goal is to improve graduation rates. So there's that. Uh, it's kind of what Pat was saying. And I think if the, I think the reintroduction will be similar. It'll be similar, yeah. Yeah, it'll be it'll be uh you get you get up to $25,000 per year and then everything over that that is put in the fund you get when you when you in the completion of your of your degree. So this is from the LA Times. Our buddy Brady McCullough had this last year. He estimated, or they estimated, that a USC football player could make upwards to 200 grand a year upon graduation, I guess. So that would be, you know, so that's that's a significant amount. And that number would likely go up uh, with the new Big Ten deal, right? Mm-hmm. And with the playoff money and all mm-hmm. these different things. UCLA graduation inter- parties would be a lot more fun. Yes, so there'd be even more. Your graduation parties would be lit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A, a, like LA graduation party, USC yeah. football player who was there five years, got a million bucks. Like, absolutely get yeah. an invite to that. <laughs> yeah, you just redshirt and take your extra 200 Gs. You're like, sure, Wait, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like I this need thing a fifth is, year coach. I'm trying to wrap my head around the whole thing, right? Because this is a wild, <laughs> this one's wild. I guess if it's a it's technically a reward to graduate, it you know it's hard. To, how do you argue against that one? I don't know, but it's a certain change. But again, it doesn't seem like this is the end. It's just the next move. Also, the money is tied into revenue, not profits. So, like you at UCLA runs ran a huge deficit of late, which is why they had to go to the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Right. So UCLA is going and all the other ones just spend off and spend to their limit, which is why you have these like gold gold plated facilities and you have so many employees at the university and the salaries have gone up so much and 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 everything going on. But UCLA say that is already running a huge deficit now has to give up half of the money that pres- presumably that the football team is bringing in football made. This is 
I don't know what year, fairly recently. So they, they had 119 million in revenue for fiscal, oh, I don't know, it's recent, whatever, fiscal 2021, it looks like here, whatever, 119 million in revenue, but they spent, they spent 119 million in revenue. But football brought in an over 5 million in profit. Everybody else lost. Everybody, including men's basketball. Men's tennis, you wouldn't think it'd have a lot of expenses. Lost, obviously not getting a lot in there. Women's basketball lost almost four and a half million. Mm. Hell happened there. They must have fired a coach or something. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, (laughs) this is, so the expenses are way higher than revenue, but you could then cut the revenue. So if you brought in, I don't even know. I I mean, this this would put, what what happens here? I mean, they're going to have to cut sports? Well, that's that the thing. Yeah, I mean, suspicion. like all this revenue and profit from football, as you know, and as administrators have said a lot the last five years about all the revenue and profit from football is pumped back into the university athletic department to float a lot of the sports who that lose money, which are pretty much every other sport except men's basketball, men's basketball you know, yeah. I mean, some places baseball, some places in the SEC baseball turns a profit. But most places, it's just those two uh, that make a profit. And at some places, men's basketball doesn't make a profit or doesn't make a, a ton of a profit. So that's the question. That And I was reading old stories on when this bill failed. And this story is from the Denver Post, who quotes an anonymous source, I'm guessing in, in the state of California. After the bill failed, they were talking about how this this would save you know, women's sports and save Olympic sports. Uh, This source told the Post, while most view the bill in college athletics in general through the lens of high major football and men's basketball athletes, this outcome is a win for the other 80 or so percent of student athletes in the state, especially women's athletes, as well as non-power programs. This bill would have eviscerated non-revenue sports in California and disproportionately harmed women's athletics. Now, be that as it may, that's part of that is true, right? Because the revenue from football is pumped back in and, and floats the boat on all the other sports. But I think it's worth mentioning that the the salaries and the expenses and the cost of football doesn't necessarily have to be what it is. And so I think people, proponents of this bill and proponents of the, the revenue sharing in general will say, well, it's time to cut football coaches' salaries. Well, you don't have to spend so much on all these other things, facilities and waterfalls in your locker room and all, all of the things that are that are spent on football because of football recruiting. Well, maybe you don't have to do that and you could pump that money into Olympic sports. That's just that's certainly one side of the argument. Especially for USC or UCLA that are gonna make more money, they could take the the Big Ten money and allocate it to right. this, I guess. But I don't know. Go ahead, Pat. Yeah. I mean, 2019, UCLA spent $5.4 million on non-travel football meals. So you maybe <laughs> could find some fat. You could cut back a little bit if need be, uh, to Ross's point. Uh, you know, uh, yes, they absolutely bring in the revenue, but they also spend, you know, like sultans. We've all seen it. We know what the staff sizes are, the staff salaries, and the other accoutrements in terms of facilities. And... The ancillary stuff like feeding your 
players meals that cost $50 a meal as opposed to having them eat at the dining hall. So there, there's, there are ways in which this could be done without just turning around and saying, oh, nope, there goes the cross-country team. Oh, there goes the, the soccer team. You know, there, yes. there are ways that uh, this could be looked But at. the recruiting implication of that is significant. And this is where it gets dicey. Let's say you're USC. And you say, look, we're not going to cater every meal. We're not going to do this. We're not going to do that. We're not going to do all the different things we offer right now because we have to cut cut costs to make sure we have a women's tennis program or something like that, that nobody attends and loses money and all that. Men's tennis. Okay, let's just take men's tennis. No offense to the men's tennis team. And Lincoln Riley's out there saying, yeah, you just got to go to the dining common and go get your food. I mean, I remember Notre Dame saying that until I think it was Charlie Weiss got the tw- like the food in the facility, their guys would like lose weight during the season because they'd miss, they wouldn't get to the the dining hall closed at seven and they wouldn't get there, stuff like that. And I don't know how true that story is, but you'd rather them eating the food. So let's say all of a sudden it's like, well, I can go to this school now. I can make two hundred grand at USC, but what if I? But if everyone's paying and they're still feeding me and doing all the stuff. That's a, that's a recruiting advantage. Would a school risk recruiting advantages? Because the one thing that scares the third rail of getting spending done is we need to keep up in recruiting, which is why we keep building new and new palatial facilities. So then it becomes, a: are we going to cut the men's tennis team? Are we going to cut? I mean, I'm looking at UCLA's teams, right? Now, that these, this is like UCLA and USC are like the gold standard of non-Olympic or non-revenue sports. Mm. But... If you're Iowa State, you sit there and go, do we really need a tennis team here? Or do we want to make sure we don't lose a recruiting advantage over somebody else? That, to me, becomes, right? I mean, who wins that debate? Uh, it's a good debate, you know, and probably football wins. It's until you run up against Title IX or whatever the case may be. You know, there, there, at some point, you, you, you cut sports, you end up cutting women's sports, and then there's issues. But... You know, the other part of that equation is if, and we've talked about it on the podcast, is is if you are paying the players, if there is a revenue source here, that alleviates, should alleviate some of the pressure to have waterfalls and miniature golf courses and barbers and sleep pods and everything else. I'm okay with the sleep pods, but the other stuff. So if you're doing that, I would, I would hope that that would continue to be a lesser part of the equation than it is right now or has been. You know, know, uh, one of the interesting provisions, I think it was in the past, Bill, and I expect it to be in this one, is that if any roster slots in any team is eliminated while paying an athletics administrator or a coach $500,000 or more, the athletic administrator or the athletic director is suspended three years. Oh, my God. Wait, what? That, that is it. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty wild. Well, basically, how the hell does this work? Basically, if you you basically it's it's hamstringing, you know, handcuffing, whatever. Like schools from cutting sports because if they cut sports, yeah, they thought of they the thought AD of that. Is, how about that? Yeah. They cut sports combined with them paying a coach or administrator five hundred thousand or more a year, which obviously we know football coaches get paid that. Everybody's got then, that, yeah. Yeah, then then they're suspended. So it it just basically handcuffs a so school. So where do the schools get the money? Know. Yeah, this is a good question. That's a good question. 
reallocation of money is it's going to have to be uh, a thing or yeah it's it I, I i would be interested to see when the bill does come out if that's in there and how long that clause survives in there as it goes through the state assembly because here's the thing all right let's say yeah look you can hate this or love it i i'm not a big fan of this bill okay it's just i get what they're trying to do but this is not the thing but so be it but if the goal is you're well-meaning and you're saying hey look they're making all this money some of it should go to the players let's have a kid graduate and you, you play football for usc for four years and you help generate all this money and you graduate from college and they get, cut you a check for eight hundred thousand dollars i got a hard time just sitting there saying yeah that's just an absolutely awful idea right however the real goal of college is to educate the students at the college. College is already extraordinarily expensive. They already put way too many resources into some, most of these teams. Many of them have very little value to the school. They literally let kids in that shouldn't be in. They like all you're better off having a tennis skill right now than a 35 on your ACT. I'm not really sure that's the point. I don't know what's good in all this stuff, right? There's extraordinary benefits to being an athlete at these schools, particularly even elite schools and even in Division Three. Like there are more athletes at Amherst College than the University of Alabama. Now they're getting scholarships, but they're helping like leg up to get in. All these different things. But if you're now going to say, well, we're going to hamstring you. And so we either need to take money out of the general fund of the university to cover these costs so that we maintain a tennis program that has very little value. We're already letting kids in who wouldn't have gotten in anyway. Blah, 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 all the different mm. stuff. Yeah, some of them would have gotten in, but many of them A wouldn't. lot of There's, them. But get, look at the graduation rate. Not rates. at these elite schools. Look at the GPAs. Look at the GPAs. Look at the graduation rates. And about anywhere in FBS, find me. Come on. Find them for me. Everybody knows they get a leg up at these elite schools. Would you gotten into Iowa State anyway? Sure. No. But... There's a reason we had varsity blues. Yeah. There's a reason that kids do fencing in this country because it's the way to get into the Ivy League. It's the side door. There's a reason they do sailing because it's our side door into those elite schools. But take out the elite schools. You're going to have this program, and I'm going to say, all right, we're going to have to hit another fee onto the regular students that are going to UCLA. And you're going to have to add costs to your already expensive college to benefit a small number of ex generally extremely privileged students on your campus that had parents spend 20 grand a year so you could take tennis lessons and fly <laughs> around and do all that. Let's prop up the old tennis kid. That's a loser to me, man. If some kid's trying to go, I'm just an engineering student at UCLA and I got to drop an extra grand on these guys? Well, this bill is not a good idea if that's the end result. And I think that becomes the end result. I care more about the regular student trying to afford and the regular family that's trying to afford to actually just go to college. Then well, it's bad enough that, you know, like, I, don't, I don't I hate athletic fees at major schools. And a lot of them don't so, have. So it. do I. Of, so do I. A lot of people are self-sufficient, but you add this and all of a sudden you how the hell do you make that work? Well, first of all, I, I mean, we don't know whether there would be a thousand dollar or any sort of additional student fee for this. So, I mean, it's a it's long coming way from, from somewhere. Yeah, that sounds like it could come from salaries of athletic staff. Seems like that would be a great place yeah. to start. 
That would be a great place and, to start. But or is that or not happen? spending, you know, there's a lot of money that obviously spent on facilities and upgrades and things like that. And all that probably stalls, with that. But is that really going to happen? Yeah. I mean, that's well, a good question. The people I mean, to hit what, are the students. Well, if, if that happens, that's bad. But again, I, I just want to make this point clear that if you go look at grade point averages, graduation rates, graduation success rate, academic progress, all that stuff, the Olympic sports athletes were such a terrible drain on the poor football budget. And they could just be playing club tennis. Who cares? You're not going to maybe Nobody's get them to go to school from playing there. tennis. No one's you asking anyone to go to school there. Do you want good students? Go to school or? like a regular student and then try out for the club tennis team. You don't need NCAA tennis. <laughs> well, there is NCAA tennis, and so but you don't need it. It's not. Well, <laughs> the ones that have it are talking get about the... real decisions here. This is like <laughs> I you know. raise a thousand. You ask, charge all your students a thousand bucks, and we have a tennis team around here. Guess what the student vote would be for that? Oh, about 98% no. Yeah. I'm not sure it would be very good for football, too. Have you seen the attendance at UCLA? It might not. not. The Olympic sports, though, are so predominantly upper middle class to wealthy students. It's You cannot just play high school field hockey and just all of a sudden make it. You, you, you just can't. You can't just be a, oh, just a kid who tried out the high school soccer team. Next thing you know, I'm off to USC. No, they invested $20,000, $25,000 a year in you since you were eight. I mean, that's how you I'm, get there. And it's the yeah. best team in the country and they're great, right? But that's how you can't get to anywhere unless you'd spend that kind of money. That's not the type of people at a university should be worrying about making sure, oh, I hope they get to play soccer with all the bells and whistles or tennis with all the bells and whistles. When there's tennis courts, go play tennis. Ain't no one stopping anyone playing tennis. Well, so, you know, <laughs> part of the answer Fat here. eternal debate here. He'll never, he'll never move off our positions. <laughs> Ross, stay out of it. You're going to get hit by friendly Yeah, like fire. a damn dog fight over here. <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, I'm bringing a knife into the gunfight between you boys. So, Here's a here's a here's one way to solve it. And I wrote about this last year when Stanford had cut a bunch of sports and then reinstated them. Partly they reinstated them because a couple of the sports were starting to become uh, what, that, what, what would you call it like self funded by alums of that sport, and yeah. that is knock yourself out. You want to do that? That's probably the answer. the The problem is is the amount of money you need. So I pulled up. When I was a beat writer covering LSU, I did this, um, and this was so. This was five years ago. This is the 2016-17 budget numbers for the LSU athletic department, and these are profit or loss numbers. LSU, I think, had around 18 sports, and three of the sports made a profit. Football made 56 million dollars in profit. Men's basketball made 1.6 million dollars in profit. In baseball, which is a rarity for baseball to make money, but at LSU, it, it makes money. It made about $570,000 in profit. Now, here, now everything else lost money, and here are the losses. They are massive. Women's track and field in cross country, $2.5 million in losses. Women's basketball, $4 million in losses. Gymnastics, $2.2 million in losses. Softball. They may be making money now because of that one girl. Well, that's that true. one woman. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Softball, <laughs> 2.1 million. She's selling but, out. You know. Yeah. 
It's uh, LSU can't yeah, turn money on a gymnastics program right now. <laughs> yeah, they're failing. Yeah, every they, they need security everywhere they go. It's the, like, oh my it, god, it is. But I there is no way they're yeah, making profit. I, yeah, there's no way. Need I mean, a, well, they should what, start sell, putting you know. the meats in uh, Tiger Stadium because uh, apparently <laughs> the hundred thousand teenage boys will show up and watch this. <laughs> This, this as ball. I recall, so, 16, 17, I mean, LSU's gym has been really good in selling out that place for years. And I remember that year I actually went to a meet in the spring of 2017. I mean, it was packed. Like the whole, the whole PMAC was pretty much full. SEC and that gymnastics gym, is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That gym team lost $2 million uh, in, in a year. Yeah. So you're going to need a lot of money to self-fund it. This is, so all the money, basically $58 million, 56 of the 58 from football, $58 million in profit is being pumped, you know, into back into all these sports. And that's what would obviously portion of would be missing according to this bill. Well, well, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a thing. It's just that this is, this sets up just a wild, it's just, uh, this is a wild game changer. Let me just read to you the Stanford sailing rosters, high school. <laughs> Oh, here we go. I know Pat, Pat's very worried about these young people, <laughs> whether they can get on a boat. Why don't you pick something other than sailing? Why don't you pick track and field? Give me track and field. This is the first one I'd cut. What do you oh, do sailing? They don't. Say, a through Z, no that's sailing an S. team at Wichita. Sailing is pretty far okay? down the this alphabet. This is a set aside at Stanford, Stanford for rich kids. To. That's all it is. This is a Greenwich Academy. Oh, what would the poor kids at Greenwich Academy do without the sailing thing to get them a leg into Stanford? St. Ignatius College Prep, the Dalton School, St. George. Uh, hey, a public school, Coronado Del Mar in California. Okay, yeah. National I mean, Cathedral, another Greenwich you, Academy. They got a pipeline coming from old Greenwich Academy. Come go on. read the Kentucky basketball roster and tell me where they went to school. They all went to prep schools for free, as a matter of fact. All the basketball, basketball players available all go to, to everyone. prep schools. Basketball is available to everyone. Sailing is not. No, it's not. But track and fields available to everyone. Wrestling is available to everyone. Yeah, I know. You're but picking and then, choosing here. You're cherry picking. I am. But even mm -hmm. then, some of the sports that are very, very broad-based, the only kids making these teams have had parents spend enormous resources, time, That's and money. That's true. And it's becoming okay. more true in football. Yes, it's coming more in football, too. But football and, and, and basketball, men's and women's basketball, and a few others are still very much the high school system develops and all that. But, yes, it helps to have speed and quickness training in sixth grade for my mm -hmm. budding football star. All of it is coming along, all that specialization. But some of these sports, like it, it, everyone gets all fired up, can't cut a sport. It's like, who are we cutting? These guys all own mm -hmm. boats. Their parents own a boat. <laughs> Want to go sailing? Go boat. <laughs> Some of these things are not just not a thing. How many so, how anyway. many college team programs have a sailing team? I'm gonna guess I, like not five. Many, but that, I don't know. But if you don't think this thing is, what, all these kids got into Stanford, would they all get in the same way? Matter of yeah, fact, there like, isn't even an NCAA sailing championship, is there? Well, they let in 25 kids at Stanford on a sailing okay. thing. Well, that's weird. We are talking. Somebody about got it. a leg up because mom owned a mom and dad owned a we gone to belong to a yacht club and the Greenwich don't, Greenwich Academy. I'm not really how. worried about the Greenwich Academy kids. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> Call me. Don't know how, how many people. I mean, how many of those 25 needed the sailing to get in? I don't know. Maybe 
maybe several, maybe a lot, maybe all, but maybe also very few. If you ain't, if you're not an athlete, the acceptance rate's like one point two percent. I know. I mean, so it would just happen that, <laughs> that many well, you can be a sailor. damn smart sailor. You can. It's possible. It's 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 possible. It's possible. Sailing well, team, come. Come at me. I get it. It's, it's a very unpopular position. I understand. I get grilled on it every time. I will take unpopular positions. I get why everyone in college athletics hates me. That doesn't matter. I'm right. You're wrong. I'm right. Oh, Here we go. Uh, next topic. Next topic. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. Well, I, I want to no, say this one would thing. be wild, though. So I, let's I just say get, this. Yeah, this would be wild for sure. If this passes and you see what what happened with NIL and it passing, I mean, we're 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 going to be heading into yeah, a, a, you know, NCA is crying about Congress getting involved now. Imagine if this were to pass, the NCAA going to Congress about about this situation. I'll say, you know, we're at the NCAA convention last week in San Antonio. And uh, this was actually a big topic with the new president, Charlie Baker. There's a small group of athletic directors that that met with Baker about this specific topic, including uh, about saving and preserving Olympic sports, including, I think, the U.S. OC something or other. Uh, Pat USOPC. Who I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. They, yeah. they love yeah. the colleges like, doing yeah, all Sarah, their, their work. She, yeah, Sarah the chair. The chair was there. She was there with a bunch of ads, and they met with they met with Charlie Baker. He wanted to hear on the topic and hear hear uh, how Olympic sports is being impacted and would be impacted in the future. But yeah, the the you know the the that's one that's one I guess take on this is that uh, look if this happens, then the federal government is. Maybe going to fund the Olympic teams just like it does in every other country instead of colleges of, you know, funding Olympic teams. I, I don't know how, as one AD told me in San Antonio, I wonder how the, the, the Congress feels about that forking over, I think it's not like good billion dollars, <laughs> I know, to, yeah, to fund something like that. So this would be a catalyst, you would think, for Congress, yeah, to, to move on something if they're going to lose the Olympic college Olympic model. Okay, but right now, the college Olympic model is funded, at least, uh, the it's not universal, because there's lots of people at the Olympics who do not get a whole lot out of college. I mean, there's a lot of teams, okay? And they don't have figure skating at college. They don't have, uh, you know, I mean, a, a lot of the, the basketball players don't always go there. All the different, there's a million things going into it, but... Most Some of the good the gymnasts Olympic, didn't do college. The gymnasts did right? not. They go, they, right. yeah, they, actually the NCAA tried to kick them all out. Now they're letting them right. back in and they're like, hey, right. Suni Lee is not an evil person. <laughs> hey, okay. <laughs> um, funny how that works. She's great. Good to have her around. No, mm -hmm. but 
at whatever level there is that college sports, and it certainly serves as a catalyst for people trying to do athletics at the Olympic, why is it the college's job to do the Olympics benefit? And why is it the students who are paying an athletic fees job to fund it? Or why is it the job of the football and basketball players to fund something that the federal government, if you put on a line item bill, would have, they'd all, I mean, believe me, that, can you imagine the political fire? You're in D.C., Ross, if we're sitting there going, we're going to spend even a small fraction on on these sports. I mean, it will be this massive debate, right? But but what we've done is without letting them have a choice, we've made football and basketball players fund these things. There was, I think, a, I don't know if it's a bill. I don't think it's a bill. But it was, there was a proposal from the Department of Defense. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember it. It was kind of reported this past spring and over the summer to, I guess, basically pay or fund Olympic scholarships for colleges but those athletes would then have to turn around and, you know, commit to several years of working for the Department of Defense. It, it didn't think it went anywhere, but it was basically a federally funded Olympic sports. Uh, and they were trying to, I think, wedge it like in the main, I don't know what they call it, the main budget bill that was approved in August or September. And I don't, you know, it never, obviously it never got in. It never got in there and it probably didn't get in there because, you know, uh, we're, at, you know, there, there's disagreement on the federal government basically funding sports in Olympic sports, uh, which happens in every other country. But this one, because of, I guess, you know, just they've historically, been able to put the cost, you know, they've been able to put the cost on the football and basketball. It's like, hey, thanks for our great yeah. women's water polo team or our men. <laughs> our, appreciate, appreciate you. And you're like, you know, you're like Bryce Young going, wait, what I do? <laughs> This, I mean, it's it's always been the model in the United States. It didn't become unsustainable until we started spending so goddamn much on football and basketball. Their yeah. revenues went up, but look at their expenses too. I would yeah. like to know. I don't. I don't have the information directly in front of me. But are non are the Olympic sports spending a higher percentage? Are they more expensive now than they used to be? I don't know. We used to be able to, there were a lot of schools that balanced the budget fine and weren't cutting sports for decades and decades and decades. And now when you got to have a $9 million coach and a million dollar strength coach and a $2 million defensive coordinator and a $1.5 million offensive coordinator and pay for all the meals and have the sleep pods and the miniature golf course and the waterfall, geez, there isn't enough money. So as but going back to the point of should should the colleges be footing the bill for the for the Olympic movement? Probably not. The USOPC should probably come through to a greater degree in terms of funding or sending funding to the universities or whatever. If you outsource the whole thing and make it a national club movement, it's not going to work as well as it does right now. You're going you would lose a lot, I think, of your athletes. You would lose. A lot of your good coaches, they would just—it would be a radical shift that would take a long time to happen, and would the United States would go backwards significantly in in the Olympic sports. I believe we would lose on the yeah the medal count, no question. But yeah, to the average person, I think they would trade the medal count if it didn't mean their tuition is going up or whatever. I have this stat. This is a little dated, but it was a story I did a while ago. So this is Michigan's athletic department, okay? Uh, in 2011, 
It employed 253 people. And by 2015, so I mean, this is a decade later, it was up to 334. So in four years, it climbed 32% in just the number of people working there. Uh, and the salaries grew 22.4%. Yeah. That's... There was a seven-year span where the number of athletic employees making six figures went from 30 to 81. So in 19, 2011, basically 11, 12 years ago, was not a small athletic department then. 30 people were making over six figures. And then by 2018, it's 81. That, that number's probably up again, right? Uh, yeah. I'm sure higher. Sure. Sure yeah. it is. Well, so it, yes, what's, the, it, there's a ton of money. I mean, one of the craziest ones is compliance departments. That's the funniest uh, one. Yeah. They create, they create <laughs> a stupid rule book off a stupid rule that's about to go away. And then they had to hire 10 million people to follow the rules. Yeah. And God bless the compliance people. Good people, but geez. Yeah. I think there's a few things going on here. The last few years, as everybody knows, the money's gotten really large in football for the TV media rights deals. And I think that these schools didn't know what to do with the money. And I think they, <laughs> so, I mean, because they just, they, as one, they and, just and had one to coach, avoid paying it way, to the athletes. That was yeah, paying right, themselves, exactly. Paying themselves, so, they figured yeah. that one out. And, and there was a, there was a coach who, who uh, a high level coach who may or may not have just won a national championship, who one time told me in his office, you know, walking through, his gaudy new football facility. I said, this is the nicest thing I've ever seen. How, you know, how, how much money this costs, blah, blah, blah. And he said, well, this is what happens when we can't pay the players. This is what we do. Yeah. We do this. And that's what's been happening for 20 years or more than that, probably, is they're making all this money and against, it's against NCAA rules to pay the players. So they're not. They have all this money. Some Some have saved it. You know, in, in those who have saved it came out looking pretty good during COVID, right? They had a bank of, of money that uh, that was saved, but a lot of them just pumped it right, all of it just pumped it right back through. And then a whole another portion of this is the competitive angle, right? Re recruiting. Well, they added staff and they added a new facility. Well, we better do that and we better do this. And it's just this awful cycle over and over and over again that is not going to stop until it becomes legal you know, by NCAA rules or through court order or through the legislature in California to say, okay, you can, you can pay them now. And then all that other stuff stops. I mean, gold plating, that was the term. Was gold the plated. Term. I mean, the waste is insane. I mean, there's, there's, you know, you talk to these guys, like, we don't send recruiting letters. Now a lot of it's more uh, electronic, but like we only FedEx recruit, like oh, every yeah. day we send a recruiting letter to this kid and we FedEx it. Yeah. You know, the FedEx like, okay. budget. The FedEx, I mean, the guy lives across town, right? I mean, it's like, uh, how hard is that? Yeah. And now in defense, they have added more academic support, uh, mental health. Right. No, they, um, yeah. Some of them, yeah, better trainers. Oh, there's a, there's a lot that is a positive to, to all that. It's not just a simple, like, there's just people twiddling their thumbs, hanging right. out at these things and, and, uh, and different stuff. So it's, it's complicated, but this would, if this went through someday in California, maybe it's this week, maybe it's next year or whatever, this this is the stuff I'm talking about. This is the, holy cow, what do we do now? Stop worrying about whether Sam Hartman just transferred. <laughs> Stop worrying about whether some kid and his family actually believed Florida was, some guy in Florida was going to give him $13 million and found out <laughs> he, he weren't. 
and then read yeah. the fine print or there was no fine print. Yeah. Jaden Rashada is not the mushroom cloud. This is not. This, no, no. This is this is the one that changes a lot of things and we don't know how. And so most of this other stuff is just, well, Jaden Rashad will go play somewhere else next year. Um, mm -hmm. All these kids are moving around. So and probably won't get 13 million. Will not probably get 13 million. And if he does, he gets 13 million. That's just why I have always been very, very in favor of the NIL and very in favor of this for a long, long time because you what you want to avoid is getting into employment agreements with the players, but let them make whatever money they want. That has worked at the Olympics for a long time. Now, I've heard athletes, I remember Dwayne Wade talking about that, like, why are we getting paid, right, when he was at the Olympics? So we got a cut of this, and it was, it was mm -hmm. interesting. But most of them are not doing that. Simone Biles isn't getting to say, hey, look, man, every four years, the ratings for this is enormous. We should get a cut because she gets to gets that platform and then makes her money in the subway commercials and all the other things. So once the Olympics went that route, it made more sense. Now, should they have that's a whole different I could care less about the Olympics and trying to figure that out. But that's how they work it. But that's ide the ideal way is go make all your money somewhere else. I ain't paying you. You know, we just give you the platform, you, you get paid. But they've never been able to quite get to that spot. And I think the inaction through the years is why we end up with a bunch of people in the, the California State Assembly trying to figure this out. Yeah, that's it. Don't ask other people to solve your problems for you because you might not like their solutions. Yeah. I mean, this is going to be clunky if it, if, it, if it goes through. All right. Speaking of the transfers, they're moving. Couple recently, Walker Howard, we talked about him last time from LSU, top 50 recruit, didn't play this year at LSU. He is headed to Ole Miss, TCU and Florida, I think made a move on him, but it was Ole Miss, the lane train. What did he call himself? Mr. Portal? King of the portal? The King, King of portal, portal King. Portal King. Portal King. Yeah. Portal King yeah. lands a, a big time QB prospect. He also uh, this week got Victor Kern, I think his name is, or Kern, I don't know how you say his last name. Sorry, Victor, from Washington, <laughs> big offensive lineman. I'm sure Victor's listened to the pod. <laughs> you never know. They the all reach do. of the pod is amazing. He's, <laughs> he's saying, you know what? I didn't like being at Washington because we had a sailing team. So I'm going old Mets. That, he's in agreement with me right now. Victor is oh, Victor is in agreement with me. Oh Jesus! Victor went to oh, Greenwich yeah, Academy yeah. too. No, he did not. Oh, amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Victor. Anyway, old Miss. Not bad week for uh, for Portal King. Indeed, Anyone? we saw. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 we saw. We. Uh, <laughs> We saw Lane do this, yeah, do this last year. You know, uh, late last year, I think USC some landed a few big portal guys, and then I think I want to say Lane tweeted like, uh, "I'm no longer the portal king. I cede the crown to you, Lincoln Riley." Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I don't know who yeah. exactly the portal king is, but uh, and you know, Brian Kelly was in that mix too. This year, I know Dan, you've been looking at it probably more than I have. I don't know who would be when you look at the portal class rankings who would be the actual portal king this year but i assume yeah Ole miss is right back up there and they and managed to to land walker howard who is a like a legacy lsu player you know his dad jamie howard played there and i don't know that anybody really would have said that he would have left and certainly wouldn't have said that he would have left for a divisional arch rival yeah yeah pretty interesting yeah and that you know i mean obviously Jaden daniels comes back that that inhibits his playing time. And I think that, the, you know, obviously that's the first domino is what's happening with the guys. Are they going 
to the NFL or are they staying? Jane Daniels stayed. Bo Nix stayed at Oregon. Dante Moore ends up at UCLA. And, you know, J- Jackson Dart had a pretty good season for Mississippi, but it's not like he's unsurpassable. I would imagine that'll be an open competition in spring and probably a pretty good one between him and Walker Howard and on, on into the end of August. All about playing time. All about playing time. All right. Classic uh, transfer portal story. Young man named Quan Proctor. He's a 2022 recruit out of Darien, Georgia. He put out on Twitter that he was entering the transfer portal. And in his announcement, he had a picture of him in a Savannah State jersey, which led to uh, uh, one of the coaches at uh, Savannah State noting that uh, Quan Proctor didn't play there. <laughs> which... <laughs> <laughs> and didn't attend the school. So he had <laughs> entered the transfer. Oh, Quote, this is Coach God. Nick Trist. I've seen a lot of stuff on Twitter, but I've never seen someone to claim to be transferring from a school they never attended. Amazing. <laughs> Got to give Quan some credit for pulling that one off. <laughs> That's good. That's like, you know, the guys that commit to schools that weren't even be recruiting. Them, Remember like that the kid from Nevada? Oregon State? Yeah. Yeah, no, he had a he had a he had a a, a, a signing day press conference, yeah. and he chose I think Oregon over Cal. I think it was Oregon. And neither State. school. Yeah. No, it was was it Oregon State? I thought that it was. was. A, we need to do a re re one of that, and it turned out yeah. neither was uh, recruiting him, and his coaches were baffled. They're like, he's a Pac-12 player, like what? <laughs> you know. But anyway, now in fairness, Quan. His announcement said, I've officially entered the transfer portal. Let's work. Transfer portal. Hash. He's trying to get some attention. He said he, ne- he never said he went to Savannah State, technically. He actually attended Livingston College last year and did not play football. He's got dealing with financial, all sorts of stuff. So he said, I apologize. I did not mean to make it seem like I went to Savannah State. It was the best picture I had of me. It was on a recruiting <laughs> visit that he got to wear, you know, the- Got to wear the Savannah State jersey. So he, he apologized, you know, whatever. He's, hey, he's trying to draw some interest, whatever. And in the end, uh, he's already announced. I just looked at his Twitter. He's announced he got an offer from East Carolina. So it may work out fine for him. Mm-hmm. But that's our first transfer from a school that he did not attend. I'd like to transfer from Harvard to Yale. Uh, that's what I would like to do. Neither one wants me or ever yeah, did. Thank but, yes. Well, yeah. by the way, uh, I, I just looked it up. The, the kid's name was Kevin Hart, not related to the actor Kevin Hart, but uh, he committed to Cal, quote-unquote committed. Oh, he committed to Cal. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. 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 So it's a storied career. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, storied career there. Uh, I ended that. up, uh, I, by the way, I ended up looking up the transfer, at least 24-7 sports is transfer portal class rankings as they stand today. Now, last year was... One, two, three was USC, Ole Miss, and LSU, which the Portal King crown traded from Brian Kelly early on to Lane Kiffin and then finally to uh, to Lincoln Riley. This year, it is Florida State as the number one ranked transfer portal class. Nine commits. Seven of the nine are four stars. Auburn and Hugh Freeze have the number two transfer portal class. They have 13 transfers, eight are four stars, and then Colorado and Deion Sanders have 23 commits from transfers. <laughs> 23 oh commits from transfers. That is a that is only bested by Arizona State, who's ranked 12th. They have 25 
transfer commits. So there you go. I think Deion Sanders is well on his way to being portal king this year. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that it, well, he said he was a transfer. He was the FCS transfer portal king because he said he got yeah. an apartment uh, in the yes. transfer. We live yeah. in the transfer. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And and you know, it's quantity versus quality here. You know, you got you got number yeah, one Florida well, State. It was nine, and he has seven, nine, nine transfers. Seven of them four stars. Colorado, twenty three transfers. Three are four stars. One is is the five star, which I assume is from Jackson State, Travis uh, Travis Hunter. Yeah. Okay. Well, hey, for Colorado to get one four star and three, one five star and three four stars, yeah. that's an upgrade. Good, good class for sure. Yeah, USC back in the portal too, and so is LSU. By the way, they got to combine each have about ten transfers. So USC and LSU living in the portal for a second straight year. All right, finally here, Pat. Pat's a, our, our, our biggest fisherman here, I believe. Ross, you, do you fish much? Mm. Fish Growing up on the coast, I do fish quite a bit, but I still think okay. probably Pat uh, Pat probably enjoys it more than I do. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I used to fish. I don't fish that much anymore. But fishing uh, is a thing. Now, obviously, man versus fish through the years. Man has been, uh, we're running up the score. <laughs> I mean, we, we, we catch a lot of fish, yeah, eat a lot of fish them, in this we country. We've, yep. we've, we've gone basically nuclear and brought, you know, I mean, ways to catch fish, nets, all the different stuff. Man versus fish has been man winning. But I do report fish seems to have gotten one back on us. Mm. A, a fisherman in uh, Hawaii hooked a huge ahi tuna about 5 a.m. Sunday off of, uh, off of Hawaii on his boat and he was he and a friend were fishing near the sea buoy four miles outside of the uh, boat ramp and the guy's friend said he heard the, the fish is huge and he's holding onto the line and the fish pulled him in <laughs> and he's now missing so we hope he's found but at this point wow. a victory for fish yeah chalk one up for fish <laughs> you know that's like now the seven. FCS team that gets the victory over the FBS team. It's like a hundred billion often, to one. But... Yeah, yeah, they got one. <laughs> Will the fish? Yeah. So we're we're sorry for for the incident, but uh, Pat, your thoughts on this? Yeah. Well, I you know absolutely respect the man's uh, zeal to catch the big tuna. I mean, not much more exciting than getting a fish like that on the line. But at some point. And that point is when you are about to be pulled to your potential death in the ocean, you got to let go of the rod. You got to let yeah. the fish win, okay? You do not go overboard. That's always the stopping point when you are fishing. If there's a, a chance that you're going in, you give up. Either break the line, which this probably was very heavy line, wouldn't have been that easy to do, or you just give up the rod. And I can understand, too, not wanting to give up a rod. Those things cost a lot of money, but... If it's a uh, life or death situation, lose the rod. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. All right, that's our show for this week. Or Ross, you got something on this? No, <laughs> I don't no, have anything. I'm reading really. the story now, though. And uh, before, just before 5 a.m., what? It, man, yeah, that's man. early, man. I mean, that is some early fishing there. <laughs> but uh, there you go. It's when a lot of oh, fishing I, happens. A lot of it yeah. happens early. Got to yeah. fish all night. Do you think you were out all night? Uh, maybe. I mean, that's been like if you're going to go catch like catfish, which is kind of gross, uh, but that does a lot of late night or uh, catfishing. 
for sure. Well, we hope he's all right. Uh, this was a story from a couple of days. I uh, don't look the updated, but there we were. All right, that's our pod for this week. We'll be back uh, early next week with another. Maybe we'll have this bill in California. Maybe we won't. Maybe uh, more people will transfer. Who knows? Continue to subscribe. Check us out on social media. Share us with your friends, all of that. And uh, we will talk to you later.